everyone, my name is Jordi Mueller and welcome to the Empower Women series of the month of December. I can't believe the, month, the year has already flew by. Um, uh, this month uh, we have a, a very uh, emotional and, and a little bit of a hard topic to, to talk about. Uh, we are very, very thankful to have Beth Ahrens with us today. How are you doing, Beth? I'm doing well. Thank you, Jordi. Um, so we're going to be talking about mediation. And Beth, actually, as, as Christine mentioned in today's event, has a little bit of an interesting background with some psychology by education, but law by practice. <laughs> so um, I think you bring a couple of two different lenses to what it would probably be one of the most emotional decisions a married couple can go to uh, or can go through. So so I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. And and I have to say, uh, I'm I'm kind of crossing that age right now. I'm 35 years old right now where I the, the, the conversation about divorce, the conversation about separation, the conversation about am I in the right path in my own marriage? And I'm, by the way, I'm not married myself, but this conversation happens often in um in the, my circle of friends, my networks. So just learning about mediation and the positive impact that mediation can have in in the two individuals involved in a separation or a divorce was fascinating to me today. So so thank you for, for your event today. I wanna to start with a very basic question for you, Beth. How did you choose to specialize in this particular kind of law? So it's not it's not a quick answer. That's okay. Um, but basically, but basically, you know, as we had talked about, my background is in mental health, and I did spend some time uh, working with autistic children uh, prior to going to graduate school and law school. And at the same time, I was working at a law office part time uh, because you know working with special needs children was very personally rewarding, but. Uh, wasn't quite enough to pay the bills. And so I ended up working there for a year. Uh, it was a very high burnout rate, and I decided that I really needed to get my master's in social work if I wanted to have different opportunities to work with the kids in different capacities. Uh, and so when I went and told the people at the law office that I was going to leave to go back to graduate school full-time, they said, listen, if you're interested in working with families and helping children, you should really consider going to law school because you can still help families. Uh, it would just be in a different way. And so I really gave a lot of thought to that because uh, I did enjoy working and doing direct care with the kids. Um, but I felt that, you know, possibly that could give me some more opportunities to work with uh, lots of different kinds of families with different uh, family issues. Uh, you know, other than just uh, special needs. And so I ended up deciding to do both. I did the joint law and social work um, master's program hmm. and uh, decided that when I left that I would practice in law, but I would use my background in social work and then my you know, undergraduate degree in psychology to really help inform the work that I would do with families. And I think that has really helped me as far as working with clients uh, through these what can often be very you know difficult and emotional issues 
So well, that's sort of the long answer. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And I think that's the the answer I was hoping to hear. And uh, I, 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 we've seen divorces around us. I mean, we are a wealth management firm. Uh, we are financial advisors uh, for a big range of individuals. And divorce happens. And uh, it's just some part of uh, society. So the emotions that, that, that are brought up and how to deal with them, I thought it was like a very interesting background of yourself to, to be actually involved in mediation. Uh, so not, not just understanding the law, but understanding where how people are reacting and why they are reacting in a certain way and how to most specifically mitigate that uh, for uh, to have a better outcome for both. So... A very, very quick question here. It seems that after listening to you in today's event, I really couldn't figure out who would not benefit from having some kind of mediation uh, help uh, when going through a divorce. Would, would you agree with that? So one of the things I mentioned is, you know, not every process is right for every family. And even though I am a big proponent of using dispute resolution processes in general, you know, other than, you know, something other than litigation, um, that mediation might not be a good fit for all families. And just a few of the reasons that I had mentioned are, you know, if there's a huge knowledge imbalance or a huge power imbalance, um, or if one party can't really find their own voice in the room because, in a mediation, the parties need to be able to speak up for themselves. They need to be able to, you know, have conversations about very important issues. And if they can't do that, then uh, it might not be the best process for them. Okay, so that's an interesting uh, approach. So, so basically, what you're saying is, is if those individuals involved in a family might not have the same weight on their comments or opinions or even in the ability to bring a lawyer with them compared to the other one, uh, this process might be on balance. Right. It, it does depend. You know, it, just like you mentioned, bringing a lawyer. So usually when I mediate, uh, the parties don't bring lawyers with them. Sometimes they work with attorneys behind the scenes as consultation counsel, so they will have advice. Um, they will have some perspectives on the framework that they're working towards an agreement within, but the attorneys don't usually attend the meetings with them. Uh, on occasion, it could make sense for parties to bring attorneys with them, so I won't say, you know, 100% of the time it's without attorneys, but uh, there, there could be reasons why it makes sense to have an attorney, you know, come to the session with the party or both parties, if it seems like that will help the process be more productive. Yeah, I remember you showed today a slide that it was kind of like the reasons of why mediate. And there was a little bit of a uh, quote there or, or, or a bullet item that said mediation friendly attorneys. And I probably that's what you're referring. Those, those are probably attorneys that sometimes get involved in this process. Well, that's the hope of every mediator, certainly, uh, because, you know, a mediation-friendly attorney is one who really respects the client's right to self-determination and the ability to make resolutions that are tailored specifically to their family. And so in doing that, uh, if they have an attorney who is mediation-friendly, that is someone who can provide advice and support for the process. You know, and, and not not someone who's just going to say, hey, listen, you could do, quote unquote, better 
if you went to court and litigated. So I'm not supporting you in the the agreement that you're that you want to come to. And um, and I, I, I will get definitely onto like the reasons of why mediating is uh, it might be a good uh, thing for you or if, if you're going through a process like this or you're trying to decide if you're going to go through a process like this but do you mind explaining of like when would it be a good time to reach out to a mediator like when is it that moment in your life that you realize okay maybe I should look for this I think that particularly in divorce mediation uh, and as we talked about, mediation can be used in many other kinds of yes. issues. But in divorce mediation, as soon as someone feels that uh, one of the couple is going to be looking for divorce, I think that's a good time to reach out because most of my colleagues and I are happy to have the process option discussion with clients. And I think that helps give some perspective as to what the various process options are, even if the person decides in the end that, that mediation would not be a good fit for them. Uh, it's a good starting point to give some context to what the options are. Perfect. And then um, I, within the same part of the presentation that you did today, um, you mentioned when mediating, uh, you might have a more controlled time frame of things. And do you mind expanding a little bit on the topic of how it can get a little bit out of control, out of a time frame, if you might not be doing it through a mediation process. Sure. So, and I think this goes also to other dispute resolution processes, not just mediation. So, collaborative law, uh, and even conciliation and arbitration uh, and negotiated settlement, yeah. which are all other dispute resolution processes. Uh, but basically, when parties voluntarily participate in a dispute resolution process, they get to control how often they meet, uh, you know, how long they meet for, uh, what topics they want to be sure to cover. Um, there's a lot more control over what issues get addressed, when they get addressed, and ultimately, uh, you know, how quickly they can get all the information together and have those discussions in order to come to a resolution. If instead, one of the parties initiates a litigation process, then the court is in control of the time frame. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, during the pandemic, things are very backed up. And people uh, usually are on a 14-month track for divorce when one party initiates uh, a complaint for divorce against the other. But I would say under the current circumstances, um, that, that is in no way going to happen because people are just waiting at least twice as long to get regular hearings and trials are being scheduled, you know, a year, two years ahead at this point. So it's, it's a, there's, a, there's a lot of delays uh, and those are all externally imposed by the court in the litigation process. Yeah. Whereas in any of the dispute resolution processes, you can schedule things on your own time. Yeah, and, and I think something important to to consider here, which is something I kind of didn't ex didn't think about it before today's uh, webinar, was that you can have the official process, the one that is through the course, in parallel to a mediation process. Like, but but obviously it brings some more. 
complexities to it, but it's not like either or. And in my in my head, for some reason, I always thought of mediation as a legal process and learning today the difference was was important for me. So so I don't know if you could expand a little bit on that. Sure. So when we have people initiate a process at the beginning of a divorce, um, they are not necessarily tied to remaining in that process until completion. Because we talked about, you know, the dispute resolution processes are all voluntary. So if at any time one party decides that it is not working for them anymore, they can change processes. It's just if they want to do any of the ones that are what we call out of court, um, then they are voluntary. So both parties have to want to do it. But as to the point that you made earlier, people can start in litigation, right? Sometimes someone needs to file in order to preserve a statute of limitation or to let the other spouse know that they're, you know, really serious about moving forward with the divorce. And then they can they can push the pause button, put that on hold, and then try to mediate or do collaborative or conciliation or arbitration or whatever process they want to try to resolve it before it gets to trial. So people people do switch lanes. They will try different processes. Uh, you know, they might think one is a good fit and then realize that it's not. Um, and it's just a matter of finding, you know, which one is going to work best for both of them. Yeah, and I, and I guess you also mentioned a little bit of like the privacy part of things uh, when going through the mediation process compared to the uh, legal dispute. So so that's something important that that I can see being a benefit for, especially for preservation of relationships after. Um, and, and and I'm assuming you would agree with that. Yes, and part of it is that when cases are litigated, unless somebody can get the judge to clear the courtroom for some reason. Those are all public record <laughs> and the public is generally allowed to attend. Right now that we have Zoom hearings or telephone hearings, you know, there, there is no public forum presently, but I expect that when things change, you know, and there are uh, more safeguards in place regarding the pandemic, that there will be hearings in court, there will be people in the courtroom. And so, you know, anybody can hear what's going on in someone else's divorce hearing when you're in the courtroom. Great. So um, I want to get into uh, a little bit of the soft side of this conversation instead of um, so much about, the, I guess, the legal mediation part of it or, or the dispute resolution part of it. You, you mentioned a couple of comments today that, that really hit home to me, which was sometimes people are fighting for some assets or some material things and the conversation stays at the surface level. <laughs> like, I want my house. I know you want the house. And, and, and it can just be a back and forth. And, and the added value of somebody like you was to ask the question, why? And that was an insightful comment on your end today, which which I really appreciated. You even said, well, you don't know, maybe they want to keep the house because they are thinking of their children's school district going forward. Or maybe it's because they are thinking of uh, it was inherited from grandparents and they want to consider it as part of their retirement. So there were other reasons. And sometimes understanding that why seems to have a more impactful path to a resolution uh, through mediation. Uh, so so I don't know if you could give us maybe another example like that, that 
that that could help us understand why mediation is it could be a positive way to go well i i do use that example a lot because in most families that i deal with there is you know one primary residence and that does become a very emotional sort of hot button topic um, but the but the point of it was really that you know in people putting forth what their goals are it doesn't always shed light on what their interests are and it's an interest-based negotiation process and so by asking the why question about you know well what is it about that particular asset or whatever it is that you're asking for that's important to you that really gets at the heart of what they're what they're trying to accomplish and there may be other ways of accomplishing that besides what they're asking for and so that that enlarges the, the pot like the the options and really gives the parties a chance to brainstorm and think about are there other ways that you know we can satisfy what that you know the answer to that why question is besides just what the person was thinking of as being the only the only solution um, yeah. So, so that's sort of why we we go into that. It's it's really helpful because in mediation we're looking at the whole process as being more of a, a joint problem solving venture than you know a me versus you kind of um, setup. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more with you. There's always a behind story, and that is that tends to be the emotional driving the conversation. Uh, uh, yeah, so so I completely agree with you. Um, it's something I, I just to change topics a little bit. Uh, I, I found fascinating uh, the idea of you need to be really aware of which state you are living in, <laughs> um, and and this specifically happens a lot, especially for people in New England that tend to definitely move around. Um, either after marriage or sometimes for work, right? They, they migrate to maybe the West Coast or from the West Coast to the East Coast. Um, but Massachusetts in particular, as you mentioned, has peculiar kind of laws when it comes to divorce. And, uh, and I thought that was super interesting because when it comes to a maybe not so friendly uh, dispute resolution, uh, this could come into play and, and, and hurt both parties in a different way. Do you mind maybe expanding a little bit on that? Sure. So, you know, it's just a caution for people who are looking into getting divorced or trying to find out, you know, what the laws are, that it's very state specific. And you're right. You know, we do have people in New England who might live in one state but work in another. And the residency is what matters uh, as far as what jurisdiction applies. And so it's important for people to look at the laws of their state of residency uh, and not just, you know, where they might have a job uh, when they're trying to figure out what laws apply. I, I will say another issue that's come up because a lot of people have moved during the pandemic and want to get divorced uh, is that it's possible for someone to land in what I've been calling uh, a no man's land where you lose the right to file for divorce anywhere for a period of time because the states have different requirements. Some states, like Massachusetts, require that you live here for a year unless the cause happened here before you can file. 
other states have more stringent requirements. Some states require you to live apart for a year before you file. So because all the states have different rules, if people just move and then they haven't already initiated the process, and then they could not qualify in both states for a period of time and not be allowed to file anywhere. So I think it's important for people to find out what the jurisdictional requirements are if they're thinking of getting divorced uh, before they go ahead and just move. Yeah, I think this is where what it's really useful just to have somebody there f to advise or for help and 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 i think you mentioned it earlier in the conversation as as soon as somebody brings this conversation in a partnership uh you should definitely reach out and ask for help or for advice or for some information because i would have never thought of that i would have never thought of yeah when i leave massachusetts you have this requirement after you leave but oops when you are in the incoming state this is the requirement when you get it <laughs> and they might not overlap so i never thought of that so so that was fascinating and another worry in that topic uh, as you mentioned that some people have shifted work locations or residences through COVID. what have you seen uh what are you experiencing through COVID? Do you, are, are you finding any trends that you can share with us I think a lot of people who otherwise might have initiated a litigation process are considering more uh, doing a dispute resolution process just because of the time frame lag. And there's, you know, there's been a lot of uh, job uncertainty, people losing their jobs or trying to transition between jobs and, and having to move. There's just a lot up in the air, I think, has been my experience this past year. Hmm. And I definitely have had people who have fallen into that, uh, that gap where they, where they had to sell their house and both parties moved from a state to different states themselves. And then nobody could file because no one had the right to file in the state where they had been and the state where they ended up. So I see. I think there's this, there's so many uh, things in flux this year that uh, I think just, you know, people being willing to be a little flexible as far as looking at processes uh, as well. You know, more people who may not have considered mediation or collaborative law uh, in the past are willing to consider them because they can still be done virtually. You know, whereas waiting for a trial could be several years at this point. And a lot of people have had trouble uh, moving just because there's not a lot of uh, residential inventory on the market if they want to buy. Hmm. And so being stuck inside with someone where the relationship may not be at its best and communication might not be at its best and there's kids at home that need homeschooling, it has just sort of created a, a pressure cooker environment where people are more willing to look at options that maybe they wouldn't have before. Wow. Well, that's that was very insightful. Um, I have a, I, I guess, to close today's episode and, and conversation with you. Um, in every uh, event, I ask the the guest speaker for the same question, which is, if you would have to tell the listeners something that they can start tomorrow, and I'm thinking the the, the second part of this conversation will be to prevent or 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 to have a more friendly uh, dispute resolution. Uh, what would that be? What would be the thing that the listener can start doing tomorrow to to kind of like mitigate some of this process? You mean for if they decided yeah. they wanted to do divorce mediation? Yes. 
Uh, I think that education is key. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of myths out there. Uh, so getting information from quality sources, I think, is really important. And the earlier in the process, the better. Uh, many times people come to me and they say, well, we've already started talking about resolutions and here's what we want to agree to, but they haven't had any you know, legal advice. They haven't really looked into the issues. And it's, it's harder to back out of something that that is then learned to not be fair and reasonable, then it, it would be a lot easier to get the information first and then have the conversations. Hmm. So I think education is really paramount in that uh, in that situation. And just as a side note to that, regardless of whether someone is going through divorce or not, a, a piece of advice I would have would be to get to know your finances. It's hmm. really important. You know, whether you're married and, and you have joint responsibility for, uh, you know, assets and liabilities, um, or if you, especially if you are contemplating divorce, there's so many people who uh, do not have a, an understanding of their own budget, their own finances, their own retirement. Uh, just you know, educating yourself in, in those things is, is really important. You know, regardless of whether you're considering divorce or not. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, we encourage also on our end to do that uh, because. Just like you mentioned, usually one of the two partners uh, in the in the couple tends to be more involved in this area. So, so definitely for both to be educated on this is is key. So, um, uh, Beth, I could not thank you enough for your time today. It, it's been a, a a pleasure talking to you and listening to you through the uh, not just through the podcast just now, but through the webinar as well earlier. Um, we will definitely share your information and put it on the notes for this podcast and. Um, So if, if anybody wants to, to reach out to you. So, so thank you again for your time. Thank you so much, Jordy. It was a pleasure. And um, for those listening, this was the Empower Women series of the month of December. And until next time, my name is Jordy Mueller, and we hope you have a great day. Lexington Wealth Management is a group of investment professionals registered by Hightower Securities LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered independent investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or, or the investment opportunities referred herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not guaranteed. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as a general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Lexington Wool Management and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no express or implied representation or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data on other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as a date of reference. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Lexington Wealth Management and do not represent those of Hightower, Advisors LLC, or any of the institutions.